It's said that the community you hang out with will determine your life and where it leads. Do you believe that? Our sister there from an Alliance Church in the Philippines, the testimony that she gave, when I saw it this past week, I realized that there were three groups of people that were influence, influential in her life. The first group was what? Her friends. Her friends, and they were doing drugs together. And in that situation, whatever happened, her aunt ended up being killed. And she ended up in prison because of that. And you have maybe had that experience in your life where you've been with a crowd or with a group of people and it started to go a certain direction and you're like, I don't know if this is very good. And maybe one thing led to another. And, and there you found yourself, not in prison maybe, but in some type of dire, dark, difficult circumstance. But then wasn't it interesting as she was in prison, there was another community of people that began to gather around her. She made a good choice. And she made a choice to be able to be with other Christians who had the opportunity to share with her the gospel. And she made a decision to surrender her life to Christ. And she began to grow in that uh, uh, oikos, that, that, that family of people. And then when she was released, and whatever the story is behind that, she made a decision to go and connect with a community of people who were helping other people like her. And so she ended up finding a purpose in a rich family community. Who you hang out with in many ways is going to determine where you end up going. Today I want to share just briefly some words of encouragement for each one of us this morning. And it's good to see such a great crowd here this morning. Maybe it's because we were offering food. I don't know. But uh, I'm glad that you came. You got to listen to me for a few moments and then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go have the Italian meal. But what I want to share with you is the critical nature of the relationships that you have or do not have that are around you right now. And I want to challenge you to consider being a part of a community of others that maybe you're not a part of presently. Now, you may say, Carrie, I have tons of friends and relationships. I am spread so thin, I can't get around to everybody, right? Maybe you're one of those people that have a couple, 3,000, you know, Facebook friends or Instagram friends, whatever it may be, and you're like, I can't keep up with everybody. Well, I hear you with that, and I think it's one of the demises of our culture that we have a lot of relationships, but they're often very shallow or sort of just acquaintances, or we used to be friends, and we sort of stay in touch with one another now, whatever it may be. But you need an oikos. An oikos is a Greek word that talks about a household, a, a place that is your family. And as I stand before you... Um, here this morning, I was reminded as we were worshiping that you are my family, and I love getting to know you, and I love being able to journey with you. I'm very mindful in a room such as this, there's a lot of people that are on a pretty big high because something neat has happened this week or some good news has come your way, and there's another group of people or individuals that are sort of low because of some other news or challenges. But we're in this together, and we do get to have a meal together and be able to interact and get to know one another. But at what level are your relationships? Are there relationships in your life that are relationships of 
depth? Or are they just sort of surfacey? Or maybe, maybe you, you think you have relationships of depth, but they've sort of strayed into just a, an old pattern of just keeping in touch, but you've not been able to dig deeper and be able to encourage one another, be vulnerable with one another, be able to share out of God's word together, to be able to pray for one another, to be able to celebrate together, be able to mourn together, that those relationships have started to weaken in your life. And you find yourself maybe this morning alone, even though you have a lot of people that are around you. We've been talking the last few weeks about spiritual warfare, the authority of the believer, the attacks of the enemy, that there's something going on a lot of times that doesn't uh, readily meet the eye, and we need to be sensitive to that. And I would like to say this as it relates to this idea of community and relationships in your life. It is a number one tactic of Satan to isolate you. He does not want you in rich community. He does not want you to be journeying in life shoulder to shoulder, giving high fives and being able to give the hugs and cry together. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want you to be able to enrich someone else's life, to build them up in God's word, to be able to be on journey with them, to serve the purposes of God's kingdom. He is always about isolation, pushing people away from one another. Solitary confinement, if you will. Sometimes they say, People do, that they want to go to hell. They don't mind going there because all their friends will be there. Well, friends, I don't know what your concept of eternal lostness is, but it has nothing to do with other people. It has to do with separation because that's a tactic of the adversary to move you away from that. And so if we're going to fight the adversary, we have to push back on the tendency to move to isolation or to move into our own, sometimes just a small little niche of people and not have a more fellowshiping, uh, broadly fellowshipping body of believers that we're connected to. And I've seen this, especially because I'm in this season of life, as you grow older, sometimes it's harder to do that. Because, yeah, you get set in your ways, but sometimes you're just, it's just too much work and you've been there, done that before. And it's like, oh, then my friend moved away and something else might have happened. You're like, I'm done. I'm done. Do not allow the adversary to work, to scheme in your life to move you to isolation. But you'll have to make the decision to press back in against that. I want to encourage us this morning that we have the opportunity to be able to um, uh, speak into one another's life um, here at the awakening in some ways that I think, I don't know, uh, how can I say this without getting myself in trouble? I've been there, done that as churches grow bigger. And I, I like growing bigger because it means more people are being reached for Jesus and we're doing that. But the size of this church is a really good size because you can have community and we can still provide a meal and not go broke for everybody. But it's, it's the idea that you're, you're in a rich, good place at the awakening. And um, there's different kinds of churches for different kinds of people. But as we grow old, uh, larger, I know that it's going to be critical for us that we sustain ourselves in growing smaller. And that is why I want to challenge us today at the end of uh, our time to consider being a part of a life group. 
I want to um, move us along, and I don't know if this remote's working or not, and I want to um, tell you a story that's out of my family, and I've gotten permission for this. Uh, it, it was hard coming, but my daughter Grace finally gave me permission. And so um, this, as uh, the remnants of our family, uh, there were four kids in our house, and then two uh, moved out. You know what I'm saying? And they went to college, and they've done their deal, and they're doing their deal, and that kind of thing. And in our household, we have Levi down here on the front row. Levi, you good? Don't walk out of church. Stay right there. Okay. And, and, uh, and then we have Grace. Now, Grace, she graduated from high school, so this is her time to transition to college, Right? And some of you are going through this. And so this week, we will be taking our daughter to college. Now, our first son, Ryan, that occurred 11 years ago. And uh, we lived in Indiana at the time. And he came all the way out here to California, to Azusa Pacific. And I remember when we dropped Ryan off, your firstborn, right? It, it's a little bit gut-wrenching. And you're thinking, okay, I hope they're all right, 2,000 miles away, that kind of thing. But there was this moment when we dropped him off, and there was the parting of the ways where it's like, hey, mom and dad, it's time for you to leave now because I'm going to be hanging with my college people, and there's another big activity happening in the football stadium. And so he turned around the corner after we gave our hug and embrace in this uh, rose garden that's at APU, and he slipped slipped back through a crack, and he waved, and he said, see ya, and then he slipped through the crack to go, and we're like, we lost it, because that's it, you, you, you help them pack their bags, and, and you move them, and now you're by yourself, now part of you are like, yeah, this is great, yeah, this is good, but then there's another part like, are they going to be okay? Or am I going to be okay? Or uh, I, I hope they succeed. There's this moment that comes with our children where we sort of unleash them for life. And I had the first opportunity 11 years ago. And Zach, he went to Cal Baptist. And, and now Grace is going to college. And I'm going to have that moment. The foremost community that you need to have richness in is your family. It was God's original plan for small groups was the family unit. And we see it getting busted up all over the place. And some of you have worked hard at it. Some of you have worked hard at it after there's been brokenness in your life, your marriage, your family. You keep working at it because that community is the foremost important community in our lives, and not just with immediate family, many times extended family. And when it comes that time when you pack their bags, you, you need to make sure that they've packed more than their clothes and their microwave or their refrigerator. And their, they, you need to make sure that they have packed you need to make, thank you, you need to make sure that you have packed things spiritually for them to carry into the future. Bye, see you. And you're like, okay, are they going to be okay? They got all the bags. 
But what's in the bags? Well, one of the most important things that I think you try to model in your community as a, a family nucleus is a life that's lived for God and a life that's ordered by the direction of God. And you never know sometimes if your kids are getting it or not. You know what I'm saying? And um, Grace gave me permission to share this journey that she had related to her picking college because to me, it's not just about the college she's going to, but that it shows that God through us maybe have done something decent and she's packed bags that are more than just clothing and dormitory items. Grace really wanted to go to um, a happening kind of university. She applied to 10 different schools, just I think just to see if they accepted her, just so she felt better. But um, she got accepted to these schools, and then she would move from one to another, thinking this is great, that, you know, Point Loma, that was great. We went to Biola, and uh, don't want to go to Azusa, because that's where Ryan went. Don't want to go to Cal Baptist, because that's where Zach went. And uh, then she discovered uh, Grand Canyon University, uh, which is a large uh, Christian school in Phoenix and did the visit there, sent her there for a weekend. Uh, they had a nursing program. She was interested in that. So she was dialed in and she was really ready to go Grand Canyon. In fact, we put, um, put a deposit down uh, for the housing in Grand Canyon. Well, somehow uh, she ends up at our youth retreat up in Idlewild. And at that youth retreat for us as a church, there was a representative from another college she walked up to that representative of the college and she sort of smiled and said to her, he says, well, this is the school I've decided not to go to. And uh, so it was like, okay. And so then um, they uh, tried to uh, give the reference to, can I help convince you in any way? And that school was Simpson University. Simpson University is one of the four Christian Missionary Alliance schools that are part of our denomination. You saw a little bit of the missions work there with the uh, pre-message video. And so, you know, the Alliance is a powerful movement across the, the globe with, you know, 700 and some missionaries in all kinds of different countries serving Christ. And so some of the training goes on at some of the Alliance schools. But Simpson University is not a very big school. I mean, Grand Canyon's 20,000, Simpson's like maybe a thousand or more, right? And so I'm not going to go to this school because they don't have a Chick-fil-A and some other things there. She didn't say that. <laughs> Give me grace. I'm going to really hear about this when we're done afterwards. But um, so this uh, guidance counselor, this admissions director that was at the Idlewild Youth Camp, she says, well, you, why don't you just come and get a visit? There's a new airline flying out of Burbank and you fly to uh, Reading nonstop and it's real cheap. And so we did that. We did a one day trip. As we're going to Burbank to get on the plane, to fly to Reading, and do this one-day trip. My wife looks at me and she says, why are we doing this? I said, I don't know. Just trying to be obedient, I guess. You know, check out one more school. I'm an Alliance pastor, Alliance Church. I ought to go to Alliance University and get a feel for it. In fact, if you were here a, few, uh, a couple, three months ago, the president of Simpson University, Dr. Hall, spoke with us here. And um, so we went there. And so they did a great job of showing the campus off, and they have, believe it or not, they have the highest rated um, Bachelor of Nursing 
uh, program in California. And they have a new facility there. And so she sort of liked that and had interest there. But, you know, it's a little bit different kind of environment. And she was getting a feel for that. They leveraged what they could leverage, which was um, their Christian community and the relationships there. And so this uh, director, her name's Molly, she, she took us around, man. And, and she had us meet different people for this lunch and met the dean, the director of the seminary, A.W. Tozer Seminary there and stuff. And, and she got grace to meet a few people. I'm thinking, well, we're pretty well done. Did the deal, right? I don't know. Not any read. You have that trouble with your kids sometimes. You have no read from them. You think you're good with people skills and reading people, but you don't have any read from that. I wouldn't get any read from my daughter. Molly says, well, before you guys go, do you mind if we just pray? And we went outside the dining hall and uh, the dining commons, and outside there were four Adirondack chairs. And so we sat there in those chairs, and she prayed for us, a typical kind of prayer. God, we want you to, to lead Grace to where um, you would have her to be. And... Um, as we were doing that, um, I didn't know what was happening, but I later found out. We got in the car and we began heading back to the airport and around town. And uh, Molly FaceTime actually and said, hey, I just talked to the director of nursing and they've accepted you into the full program. You don't have to reapply after your first year. And, and so that's pretty exciting. They don't do that to very many people. And I'm looking at her and I'm going, hey, that's a pretty big deal. You know, that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, yeah, and she's saying, yeah, that was a small campus, right? We come back. She doesn't say anything. A week later, she's riding uh, to church with her mother, with Melissa, and she's going to work in the Littles. Um, and she um, says to her mom, Mom, you know that trip to Simpson University? Um, when we were sitting there in those Adirondack chairs. Yeah? Well, you and Dad always talk about hearing from God. That doesn't really happen to me. But when we were praying, I heard God say, you belong here. Now, I later asked her about this. I said, was that just sort of like an impression or whatever? She says, no, Dad, it was an audible voice, and I heard it twice. You belong here. You belong here. And then she later would say to me, and I was saying to myself, no, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> no. She came and served in Littles that day. She picked up a voice message from the Smalley, this director, great director of admissions, and she had left a couple-minute message that we later was able to listen to, and she said, I really believe that God has something here for you, but we want you to be where God wants you to be, and there's, I think there's something that God's doing and going on with you. We got home after church that day. This got unpacked, and just like that, grace flips a switch. I'm not going to Grand Canyon. She says, well, I guess I probably need to call her. I'm like, call who? Molly. For what? Tell her I'm coming. I'm like, really? Just like that? Well, what am I going to do? God said, right? And so she called. We had a beautiful FaceTime moment. And in that 
journey that Grace went on, and thank you, Grace, for letting me be able to share that with you. One of the things that's endearing to us as parents is when you do see your kids leaning into the voice of God. And that was a huge win for us. Bags were packed, being sensitive to God's voice. The other huge win for us is when I'm walking around campus, I see some of the opportunities. And friends, I went to a Christian university, so I know that Christian university is not for everybody. Our kids have gone to Christian universities predominantly because we really wanted them to get involved in a good community and for them to grow spiritually. But you can be at a Christian university and you can have all kinds of wild things going on there too that are not a good influence and even nominal Christianity that exists in Christian universities. But for us, we felt that that's a great community to get established in, to be able to grow spiritually. And so when I'm walking around and I see uh, Bible studies highlighted for how to grow uh, being alive in Christ, I'm thinking to myself, hey, that's what we are as a church, fully alive in Christ and to his mission, right? And so there's this joy that we have in driving 10 hours this week to Redding, California, which is way up north. This is a big state, man. And I'm learning that. And way up north and to unleash our daughter Grace to the next season of life, but to unleash her to Christ and the body of Christ at Simpson University. Because Jesus has a body and he would say to you, you belong here. No, no. Yeah, you belong here. Now, interesting thing, later we find out that is one of the taglines for Simpson University. You belong here. Like, get out! But the joy it is to be able to start a new season of your life and know that what's surrounding you are people who have some of the same interest and heart to pursue Christ is an exciting thing. But not all of us have that opportunity and not all of us um, have taken that opportunity even in our life today. You belong here. And what I mean by that is not like you belong here at the awakening. We got to really pump up our numbers. We got to come bigger, better. No. You belong here in the family and the body of Jesus. We live in a very challenging day spiritually in what's happening in our nation, in our world. There is a disconnect that's starting to happen from people who are involved in being in the body of Christ. Lower and lower church attendance. But it's not just the attendance, lower and lower appreciation for the church. The word church means called out ones. And when Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the grave and ascended to the heavens, he left his church, which at that time was just a small nucleus of people. And with this small nucleus of people, he wanted them to do something. He had given them a command to do something. And that command was very simple. He said, I want you to love each other as I have loved you. And he established the church, the body of Christ. 
people from all different kinds of ethnicities, all different kinds of backgrounds, all different kinds of nations, all different kinds of socioeconomic levels, all different kinds of experiences. He had this incredible idea that you bring together this really diverse group of people and you would center them on the unity of who he is and relationship with him and his kingdom purpose. And Jesus established not just the church, He established just not the body of Christ. Scripture refers to what he established and what he's going to come again for as the bride of Christ. There's something mystical going on with what he's doing and gathering people from all corners of the nation. Every corner of this community and valley and the different cities that are represented here that are across even this room. And he brings us together to be one, unified. And how are we going to do that? Is that we love each other as Jesus has loved us. But what's happening in our culture is a disdain sometimes to be involved in a church. And there's all kinds of accusations and sins that the churches have fallen into without question because churches like ours right here is made up of a bunch of sinners saved by God's grace or seeking God's grace this is not a perfect church the moment you walked in it it wasn't perfect because you're not perfect I'm not perfect we are sinners redeemed by God's grace and the love of Jesus. And we're unified around who he is and his purpose. And so we can set aside our differences, even how we sin one against another. We come together and we find this joy in the midst of his community. And we grow and we're challenged and we're sharpened one by another. But there's a drift away. And sometimes I hear people say this statement. I love Jesus, but I don't love his church. I love Jesus. I talk about Jesus, but I don't want to have anything to do with the church. Well, I have a question. And my question is, can you love Jesus and not love his body? Jesus said a new commandment I give you. That you love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, if you're going to love Jesus, you have to choose to love one another, even with all the wrinkles and warts and imperfections that we carry. Because how we love one another will reflect how we love Jesus And it will reflect to a world that's in search of meaning and purpose. How we love one another will determine if people know that we are his disciples. Can you truly love Jesus without loving the body of Jesus? I don't know. You can turn in your votes on that. You know what my vote is? I think it's pretty, pretty hard. To really love Jesus at the depth and give a stiff arm to his body and say, forget it. But what I see today is a lot of privatized religion or faith. I'll do my little thing, but me, be involved with other people. Ooh, don't want to go there. I don't have time. Those people have hurt me before. Or I just don't know. It's awkward. I'm sort of a shy person. 
We are called not only to Jesus, we are called to the community of Jesus. And we need to practice it on a regular basis. Not just to please Jesus and to love him, but to see your life enriched. The word of God says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You become sharpened when you're in the body of Christ. You also have somebody to pick you up when you're down, somebody to celebrate when you're happy, someone to be able to exhort you, hold you accountable. I know situations in this body that have happened in the last few weeks that, praise God, they're connected with the body of Christ because the body of Christ has become the presence of Christ. Just like our Filipino gal who said that, you know, hey, I found myself in this Christian Bible study and I surrendered my life to Jesus. And then after I got out, I was able to serve others. She found herself in an oikos and a household and a family that was conducive to her own spiritual growth. And in that, she was loving Christ because she was loving the body of Christ and participating with Christ. In the Awakening Church, our mission statement is fully alive in Christ and to his mission, but we actually have three ministry values. Those three ministry values are these, missional living, community building, and disciple making. Now, those are sort of bigger kind of phrasing kind of things, but in reality, those three are a part of being in a church family that's healthy, that you're on mission, you're living for the purposes of God, you're building rich community, loving one another, getting to know people, being able to journey with them. And then you're making disciples, not only of one another, but also of others who are not disciples. In the book of Acts, and you're familiar with this passage, this time of year when we talk about getting in community some, we usually always go there, but I don't know how you don't go there. In Acts chapter 2, you find these words. This is on the heels of Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension into heaven, the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people came to know Jesus on that day. And then we find what happens in those very first few weeks of the church, the birth of the church in the world. They devoted themselves, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. This is found in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And to the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wondrous wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together. Where? In the temple and the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and they ate together. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And you know what happened? And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The church, I mean, boom, out of the blocks. It was 3,000. You go a couple chapters later, there's 5,000 uh, and 10,000. And you're like, whoa, what a movement. What was happening? Well, they weren't just gathering in big groups like this. They were meeting house to house. And as they met house to house, 
They fellowshiped. They broke bread. They had community together. In fact, you can see it right there. There's sort of what's referred to sometimes as the two-winged bird. They met in large group and they met in small group. They met in the temple courts. They came for a weekend celebration to worship, hear God's word, to, to have a meal maybe. But then they also met house to house. And the church grew rapidly because of that type of structure. That type of structure helps with a rapidly growing kind of movement. And in that structure, you find the opportunity to get up closer to people to be able to grow and to learn and to care and to champion each other in life. And so that's how the church started. And 2,000 years later, guess what? It's still how the church needs to function and operate. You're meeting in the temple courts today. Now, we've talked about this before. You don't come to a temple, even though we've done some renovations around here and we've got some you know, good tech stuff going on. You don't come to the temple. You bring the temple with you because Jesus is the temple. And if you have Christ in your life, then you bring that temple to an act of worship. So when we worship, we are his presence, right? And he meets us here. But you came to the temple today, but what are you doing this week? Is it just sort of check the box off and I'll come back in seven days? Or do you have community in houses with one another, studying God's word, serving God's purposes, being on mission? Is that a regular discipline in your life? Or do you find that other things sort of get scheduled there? Trust me, my schedule can fill up really fast and I can choose not to be in a life group or a small group. But I know, not only is it instructed in Scripture, I know I will find myself under the attack of the enemy and he is going to move me into isolation. I have to stay engaged in community. And so as the Lord adds to our number, as evident here this morning, I want to encourage us to not only gather at the temple, with the temples of Christ in us, but also to be together house to house. We have what's called life groups at this church, and our life groups are varied. We don't have a lot of them. I have some people that are interesting, maybe in starting some more. And in a little bit, I'm going to introduce you to some of our life group leaders. But life groups uh, can run their course. They can sometimes be good. Sometimes they can be taxing. But there's three things that I think are critical for us in our life groups that we have that I want to encourage you to consider being a part of. And that is these three words, teachable, transparent, and transformational. When you come together with other people, don't come with a know-it-all attitude. There's a lot I have to learn. Sometimes I just have to look at people and say, educate me. You come with a teachable spirit not only for head knowledge, but also lifestyle uh, experience, lifestyle experience. Then you have to be transparent. Now, you don't have to bleed over everybody, all your stuff. Sometimes that's easier for some other people, but you have to be real and authentic. You don't put on the big cheese face and go, everything's fine if it's not fine. Some weeks, it hasn't been fine for a long time, and you're going to have to find a way to be transparent about something that's good. But you come and you just be a transparent, authentic self with other people. And the third is the transformational aspect, in that 
you are there to be a part of this community in a life group, not just to check it off your list, but to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit working within you. And that transformation is both going to be in your own personal lifestyle of living more righteously for Christ, but it's also going to be in how you serve the purposes of Christ. And serving the purposes of Christ means to be on mission with Him. And a lot of times, small groups, life groups can become very ingrown. And so we're always encouraging the DNA of our life groups to be able to serve other people, whether it's somebody in the group that's going through a challenging time, maybe meals, maybe it's stepping out and helping someone that's not a part of your group, that you are on mission with Christ and he's transforming you that way as well. And so these three aspects of life groups is what we hope to be a part of our DNA. And that DNA is one that's where we're teachable, we're transparent, and there's a transforming aspect going on. If you were to look up the community building value that's on our website, it was interesting. I hadn't gone there for a while or looked at these. The community building aspect has these bullets on it. Being transparent in our social interactions, seizing time for meaningful conversations, choosing new friendships with the old, gathering together around the gospel, and extending grace while speaking truth. I think those are good bullets that highlight some of these very aspects. So what I'd like to do today is I want to introduce you to some of the people who have a life group and, uh, or a Bible study. And so uh, I'm going to have Zach bring us the mic up, and I'm going to invite those of you who are leading groups this fall to come and stand with me here on this platform. Don't leave me hanging here now. All right, just get up and walk up here. And we're going to have you share uh, what you are doing. And this is like open invitation time. Oh, come up here on the real stage. Because the lights are up here, yeah. I think I got a few of them coming. We are good. Good, Steve. So my needs to go get Oliver. I have some people that are gone. Some people said, I don't think I can get up there. I need Brandon up here. Yes, you, Brandon. Oh, there's David. I didn't. I'm like, all right. Oh, that's true. You're the tech guy today. All right. So the first group, and you have a note sheet on it, is Rooted Group. You've been hearing about it. We got about uh, 14, 50 people, 14, 15 people signed up for Rooted. I really want to encourage you, if you've never gone through the 10-week Rooted experience, it's on that list. It's going to be on Sunday nights, and uh, I'll be helping lead it some. And with Rooted, you're going to find yourself uh, in an experience and a journey that really will be transformational. It really will be one that uh, uh, and calls out transparency. And uh, there will also be a huge amount of learning that goes on and life experience. So fill out that Rooted group. You can come talk to me about that. But uh, We'll start down here where Zach's at uh, with Oliver, and then we'll come back there. So, what's that? So I can go back 
Yeah, so you can go back. You're supposed to be in charge of the kids. But Oliver, you got, actually, you guys have two groups going on. Tell us about them. Yeah, so uh, we're starting our group on September 19. It's a Monday. That's our group for uh, everyone that wants to come and enjoy a good meal. We have people from all over the place, from different backgrounds and cultures. And uh, we start with a nice meal and uh, friendship and conversations. And then we'll have our group for about 45 minutes where we pray for one another, go through the Bible. That's happening on Mondays, starting September 19. Uh, startup time is at 7 p.m. And it's going to be at our house. Uh, we're only a mile away, a mile and a half away from here. So anyone that is uh, um, looking for a group where you can have a good meal and a lot of friends, please come and join us. Actually, our group started uh, last season. And uh, the, first meet, the first meeting that we have, we only have me and my family, and the kids were asking, like, what's going on? But then later on, <laughs> we started getting new, new people coming, and then we got some new people that came almost at the end that were saying, oh, my, I, could have, I wish I could have come at the very beginning. So if you're looking for a, a group where you can just make some new connections, join us on Monday, September 19 uh, at 7 p.m. And then on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., we're going to start a Spanish group in our, in our house as well. So if you speak Spanish or you're bilingual or you want to learn some Espanol, come and join us. <laughs> yeah, or you want to invite your Spanish-speaking friends. And uh, it's going to be on Wednesdays. It's going to be happening at our house too from 7 to 8.30 p.m. And that starts on that same week, uh, September 21st. Wednesday, September right. 21st at 7 p.m. So Pastor and Oliver and Amy, you can party at their house all week long. Yes. <laughs> David's yeah. down here going, they provide food every week? I think I'm going to go to his group. <laughs> That's Absolutely. great. So appreciative, especially on the Spanish uh, language side of things, trying to get something going there. And that's a really um, a broad participant kind of thing you hope to see happen where it's not as dependent. So maybe I can give the announcement in Spanish really quick. So si go. alguien quiere venir a nuestro grupo los días miércoles a las 7 de la noche, el grupo empieza el primero de septiembre de las 7 a las uh, 8 y media de la noche. Así que cualquiera de ustedes que quisiera unirse a este nuevo grupo que estamos empezando aquí a, en Awakening, Empieza el 21 de septiembre a las 7 de la noche en nuestra casa. Que Dios les bendiga. Gracias. Very good. Debbie, you got to follow that, I guess. Yeah, I'm thinking that's not good. Um, so I'm Debbie Parnakian, and I have a women's study, a Bible study on Tuesday mornings, 9 o'clock to 10.30, and it'll be in suite F. We start the day after Labor Day, uh, which is September 6th. And the way that we do it um, is that we um, take the Word of God and we write it out every week, certain amount, and then we discuss it. Uh, we don't have a book to buy. Um, a spiral notebook at this point is 50 cents at Office Depot. That's, <laughs> that's the only thing you have to buy and bring your Bible. And uh, what we do is we just let the Holy Spirit teach us. I do give some background on, we're in Matthew, so um, I give some background on the cultural part of it and, 
and maybe who Jesus was talking to, who he was around, and uh, gives a little bit more of a fuller idea of what the word is saying. But I really encourage people to study on their own, to listen to what God has to say through his word. So that starts uh, just in a couple, no, it's next week. It is. Okay. Falls here. Next week. So. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Women, 9 o'clock. Hi, I'm Amy Voss. I lead the Thursday night women's group. This fall we'll be studying spiritual gifts and how to use them. We meet at 6.30 here at the church over in the kids' room. Thank you, Amy. I know she doesn't want to talk. My name is Chris. This is my wife, Jessica, uh, my son, Abel, and we have two little girls in kids' ministry. Um, we're going to be leading a group on Tuesday night uh, six, at 6.30 with Randy and Crystal uh, Gallardo. This group is kind of focused on uh, families, uh, so if you have a bunch of kids and you wonder, I don't want to trash Oliver's house or, um, you know... <laughs> Uh, we're a group that if you have a bunch of kids, uh, you know, come. We're going to meet at the church. Um, we're going to do food before, so we'll do 6.30 to 8-ish, um, uh, depending on kids' uh, bedtimes. Um, we plan on going through, uh, just thought of it this morning, like off-roading through the Bible, looking um, at um, peoples of the Bible's testimonies. Um, I believe that your testimonies, your, your biggest um, evan evangelical, um, I don't know, superpower you know that you have that talking about how God has changed your life will you know help you um, minister to other people uh, I know kind of being a missionary sounds um, intimidating and so if you're able to own your testimony and if you're really to, able to understand how God uh, changed your life I think it will just allow for the gospel to come up um, in conversation at your work um, with your family with your friends with your um, unsaved friends um, and so that's what we're going to be focusing on um, Dinner, 6.30. I don't know if it's going to be better than Oliver's, but it'll be pretty decent. It'll feed the whole family. Um, so, yeah. And we'll be meeting here at the church. That is great. And uh, I think it's interesting. Randall and Crystal, who you guys are tag team with for the young families, um, they're not able to be here today, and they felt bad about that. But you know where they're at? They're celebrating kid baptisms of someone else who used to be in the life group who moved to San Diego. So they're out of town today. And that's how tightly they're connected with some of the people that were a part of that group. But uh, Bowman's and Gallardo's, it'll be a great group Tuesday. Great. Dave. Good morning. Uh, Dave Fallis here. Uh, if you have kids, go to this group. <laughs> so if you want to mess up a house, go to this group. <laughs> if you want good Mexican food, go to that bar group. <laughs> so cookies. Come here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we kind of co-lead uh, a group here on Wednesdays uh, at 6.30. Uh, probably going to start the week after, not Labor Day week, but the week after Labor Day we'll start there as well. Uh, we haven't really determined where we're going to be going at. Uh, Steve right next to me has been hosting quite a bit. Debbie Parnett has been hosting quite a bit. We can host. So we're kind of looking for another host family to help out or lead or to be part of this group here as well. But uh, that's really a group. So we've been meeting now for... Our core group here for about three years, roughly, give or take. I've been part of it at least, and it's been a good group, and looking forward to meeting uh, more of you as well. So the Philos and Wren group, they have been, it was actually birthed down of a rooted group that continued on that I had a chance to be a part of. And um, Steve, I'm glad you're here to be able to, because Steve and Lori came to me, it was last fall, wasn't it, or whatever, saying, you know, I know there needs to be more groups and what's going on with that. So you guys are connected in your current group, but you also have interest in maybe seeing what God's doing, right? Exactly, yeah. So uh, 
I enjoy teaching uh, Christian basics for people who are just basically learning the Bible. Uh, I've been studying the Bible for about 30 years, so I uh, enjoy just topical study or going through a book. So right now we have our group, but uh, if there is need for a, another group, we're open for that. So we're just going to see where God leads. Uh, Lori and I just live like a couple blocks from here. We could walk here. So uh, and we're thinking of uh, keeping it on Wednesday nights and probably doing a bi-weekly uh, meeting. So we have a break between every other week. So a little less pressure there. So we'll see where God leads. And if not, we'll be with Dave and uh, <laughs> Debbie and continue our group. So you, uh, typically we, we, uh, we get together, eat like Oliver does, except we have more snacks and stuff like that. Then we have our, our uh, lesson. We've done worship night. Uh, David used to be in our group. He used to bring his big speaker, and then we would each pick out a, our favorite worship song, worship and pray. We, we would just very casual, but mix it up, and then we always have prayer at the end. So we've had some really good results in our group with uh, answered prayer, a lot of praise in our group uh, for positioning the Lord together. So highly recommend it. Thank you, Steve. David. Good morning. Well, my name is David Anderson. My wife, Naomi, is out there. We're part of the Amy and Brandon Hall household on Monday nights. We meet about 630. Um, we all stem from Rooted, so our group's been going on for about a year, and we took the summer off, uh, but we're starting back up uh, in September. I believe uh, September 12th, Brandon, 630. And yes, we do have childcare and snacks. <laughs> so if you want to show up, uh, bring your kids. All kids are welcome. What uh, the Anderson group and the Hall group combine them, um, they are up in Menifee. Yes. And so it's sort of collecting what we're starting to get is a, a lot of um, people driving down the interstate very conveniently. Uh, the last group I want to mention is Saturday morning men's group. It'll be starting on September the 17th, I believe it is. And uh, we'll give you a little bit more heads up on that. But it's at 8 a.m. on Saturday morning for guys. And uh, we've been in God's word and being able to pray and encourage one another. Thank you, team, for being up front. Would you give them a hand? Because there's a lot going on behind the scenes. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as we close out because you're all ready to, to go eat and to sort of hang out. Um, this is what's going to happen when you go eat. Uh, you need to be able to get a name tag on or you can't eat. That's your ticket. And uh, so meet and greet one another. I'm going to ask that some of these uh, life group leaders sit at different tables. There's a table out there for you to sign up for any of these groups. Uh, talk to Steve directly or his wife, Lori, about their group because they're not on that sign-up sheet because it'll be a new group. But I want you to sign up and consider stepping into being a part of community with one another. I have found over the years that um, the initiative to be in life group has never come down to being disappointed. And so I don't think that you will either. I've asked uh, Angela to repeat a song that um, was given earlier on. And um, as she sings this song, I'm going to ask the, uh, as we worship in this song, ask the uh, um, ushers to come forward to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. Um, but I want us to... Um, Make sure our focus is right here on this whole thing of community life. It's about the body of Christ, being the body of Christ, and loving one another.
the song that we're going to sing, it didn't dawn on me until worship practice this morning that this song was instrumental in healing my heart many years ago. All of us um, have experienced good relationships, and sometimes those relationships can get sideways. And that's true in church life. It's also true in church leadership. And it was about 20 years ago that uh, there was some transition that happened with the church I pastored with the staff. And me and the assistant pastor, we ended up at a large church growth conference in Chicago at Willow Creek Church. And we were pretty broken because we didn't understand why some of the people felt that they wanted to transition off staff and some other changes that were happening. We had just moved into uh, a huge new facility and uh, God had blessed. And, and then all of a sudden, it, it just seemed to come crashing down a bit. And um, I remember sitting in that huge auditorium at Willow Creek, probably about 5,000 people or so. And they began to sing this song that Matt Redman had just written at the time. And when I came in this morning and I began practicing for worship, it was that song. I don't know if you've become wounded in community Christian community or not. I'm sorry. But let's not let the adversary keep you from the riches of being found in Christian community and growing in Christian community. Jesus would say, you belong here. You belong with my body. And this song talks about, let's get back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. And even as we have altars here this morning, maybe during this song, you need to come and lay down some woundedness as it relates to community in your life and ask the Lord to give you strength to move forward and initiate new community. Go out and sign up on a list or take the opportunity to show up at someone's home or a Bible study. God has rich things in store for you through the body of Christ. And it is all about loving Jesus. If you really want to love Jesus, part of that is loving the body of Jesus, broken as it sometimes is. But I want to pray for us. I want us to sing this song, and then we're going to go have community life together. Lord Jesus, this morning across this group, even those watching online who may, some of them have difficulty coming to a place of worship, may we understand what it is to lay down any brokenness that we would have in this area of the community of Christ. And may we come back to you for it's all about you, Jesus. May we find ourselves worshiping you this fall, not only in song and in the teaching of your word on a Sunday, but worshiping through spread out communities across this valley, multiplying communities of people seeking to know you and to love you and to serve your kingdom's purpose. So Lord, work in the hearts of all of us. Lead us by your voice as surely as you led our daughter Grace. May you speak that word, you belong here. And may many across this church family find 
a body on a weekly basis they're connected with. Lord, we love you. It is all about you. In your name we pray.